aspiring entrepreneurs, serial entrepreneurs, corporate executives, seasoned business owners, and working professionals, all working within a workforce with an ever-evolving, dynamic, and changing technological atmosphere. As the generations collide and expectations and upbringing mesh, how do we work best together? What are the lessons that business owners, workers, managers, and leaders alike need to learn regarding the generational differences in our workplace? Today, we will further explore these differences and how to make changes that will be able to help everybody to adjust properly and excel within this workforce of five generations that are in work together. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Arrow Helps Entrepreneurs Increase Visibility, Credibility, and Profitability. So we are going to uh, re-examine uh, another topic uh, here regarding, regarding the uh, generational uh, gaps that are happening within the, the workforce. So we have Kevin Ward back to discuss a little bit more about that. Uh, Kevin, would you like to reintroduce yourself here to, the, uh, to our listeners? Of course, Harold. <clears throat> My name's Kevin Ward. I am a uh, speaker, uh, uh, consultant, and trainer. And I especially work in the area of uh, education and leadership, and even in the process of writing a book on the topic of education, and, uh, and also working on workforce development and generations in the workforce. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah, and real happy to have you back uh, on to discuss this whole topic a little bit more. I had actually some, some really good feedback from uh, from some of the listeners that were really engaged, uh, really based on this topic. And I think it's, uh, it's a very relevant topic, really about the different generations that are currently in the workforce. And so for today, you know, we talked a lot about the, the boomers uh, and the millennials and some of the differences really, you know, with those generations and what the sort of the expectations are that they have and how they manage and perhaps maybe need to be led uh, within the within the workforce and wanted to explore a little bit more today about some specific processes that you might recommend for business owners uh, and managers to uh, think about implementing to try to adjust and succeed uh, within this uh, this changing generational workforce uh, sure <clears throat> one of those that um, uh, to start with is just an awareness uh, when in an article I wrote on the generation of the workforce, uh, I evaluated uh, four cultural areas for um, the generations, and when I was able to compare them in that fashion, it helped me understand where some of the disparities are and then how to begin to think about addressing those disparities. Uh, just to rather than go through the various generations in all four areas, just to compare the uh, two uh, extremes, the millennials and the boomers, uh, let's look at those four areas. First area I looked at has to do with agrarian culture. The uh, boomer generation was 
still being influenced greatly by the agrarian culture and uh, its effect in terms of farms and the farm life and, and all it to the point people don't realize that our schools now, the way they are patterned, having summers off was based on the agrarian effect. And whereas uh, that was a big influence with the boomers, the millennials, uh, some of them don't even know what a farm is. And if they've seen them at, at most pictures, and the interesting thing is that even the children of uh, agriculture look at it in a different light and uh, even see it differently because of the automation and technology. So even farm life has changed in that regard. So that's one cultural area that makes a difference in terms of the uh, culture of the two generations. The other one, <clears throat> another one is two-parent families was the norm for a, many of the boomers. And the uh, and part of that would include uh, dads uh, retiring from a lifelong job at one company and that during that time, parents were primary influencers for the children involved. Whereas you fast forward to the millennials, uh, many of them are raised in single family homes and, um, and both parents are working if they have uh, two parents. And so the influence of the parents and family uh, is eroded. And, and as a result, the primary influencers on the millennials now are their peers and uh, the education system. Uh, third area that I looked at was authority. One of the challenges there, you know, as a boomer myself, I can tell you that we were taught respect for authority, the value of that, and that, uh, again, the culture is it, you do things sometimes because I said so, coming from a boss, a parent, or other authority, whereas your millennials uh, have been uh, raised or in a culture of uh, I'm in charge and I'm really not sure what to do, but uh, I will follow people that uh, earn my respect, but you have to earn it first and demonstrate that you care about me and move on. And then the fourth area that is uh, especially striking is the area of technology for boomers um, even up to the last part of that group, primary technology was radio and TV with some computers coming into play. Uh, in fact, as a youngster, I remember TV with only three channels. Then when they introduced the UHF channels and uh, color uh, for some of the boomers was new. You fast forward to the millennials, technology's everywhere. They don't know how to live without having technology because that's all they've known from cell phones to computers and cell phones as computers. And then of course, Google, you know, the idea is that uh, if they need to know something rather than go to a library or an encyclopedia, they just Google it. So with that in mind, you can see the disparity between those generations and, and the cultural pieces of that. And as a result, one of the key things that we've really got to do is change our management thought because the way you would manage a boomer in a business environment would be very distinctly different because you could 
actually manage boomers typically uh, with the final word being because I said so type approach. Whereas with uh, a millennial, you're not only not likely going to get away with because I said so, you're going to probably elicit a response of, no, I'm not going to do that. Or worse, uh, they may say, well, you know, I don't like this. I don't need this. I can do something different. I'll go somewhere else or I'll do my own uh, business. So uh, the key component that uh, companies have got to shift to is, and I think I mentioned this as we talked before, is managing things. We still have to keep track of schedules and uh, profit and loss, those pieces, but rather than managing the people concerned is to uh, lead them. And that involves uh, rather than looking at people as assets or um, commodities, that they are people and keeping things human. One of the big key elements in uh, implementation has got to be looking at a team environment for uh, production and uh, giving the uh, teams the uh, resources and the authority, if you will, to be able to drive projects or sales or what have you. And uh, buying into a culture of the team is going to help bridge that gap. Uh, interesting enough about it that the concept of leading into teams is not new. It's just that previously we didn't apply it in the marketplace it was primarily uh, and still is applied in sporting and other arenas. And uh, when it was applied in those arenas, it works well, but we just uh, historically, again, for early older generations, wasn't a thought. It was more about authority. So, um, so the big pieces to take away, understand the differences in the generations, realize they are different, uh, change of mindset that one is better than another because they're really not, they're different. And then look at managing things that we need to, but change rather than managing our people, leading our people and moving into team environment and culture and development of that. And including, um, why answering a question for the younger generations of why am I doing this beyond a paycheck or benefits or what have you uh, start looking at, uh, at experiences and value to society and those pieces. And even going so far as to take a cue from, uh, from Apple who has learned that they don't sell uh technology, they sell an experience. And that appeals to a lot of the younger generations. And so as we can implement that into our companies, it goes a long way to helping them feel more at home, apart and belonging. And which of course will lead to uh, more productivity, uh, uh, fitting in, being a part and all of those, even loyalty. Oh, great. I I definitely actually want to circle back uh, with the technology uh, piece uh, here uh, in, in just a bit. Um, wanted to kind of uh, recap really from here. I really went into a lot of detail, and I think that that's going to be really helpful for a lot of 
a lot of listeners, especially ones that you know maybe have ex- established businesses and are, are really experienced in this, or you know even maybe some of the millennials, for example, that are you know working within a larger organization and kind of uh, maybe noticing some differences and, and trying to proactively maybe manage up or implement right. different different systems. So this is, I think, really helpful. Um, so it sounds like to me, if I were, you know, kind of hearing this for the first time and I was thinking of, you know, having my own business and maybe what need, might need to change, you know, maybe I've noticed some of these, uh, some of this conflict that's come up and I haven't really maybe put my finger on exactly why this may be enlightening as to, okay, here's an area of opportunity. And so how to address that, it almost sounds like what might need to be looked at depending on the size of the business is really potentially, you know, changes in the organizational structure uh, of the business, uh, really looking at maybe even adding in new roles for people that are specializing, you know, there's people that specialize in marketing and branding, but maybe there's, there's added roles and you might know of particular roles like this where people are more focused on sort of creating and managing these team environments, maybe creating more uh, activities and things of that nature that are more experiential and, and kind of bridging the gap of the, the family feeling and the, and the work environment and really maybe leveraging more, uh, more training and, and coaching uh, really within an organization that's targeted at, at impacting this at a fundamental level. Very definitely. Um, <clears throat> like uh, the good to great Jim Collins talks about even shifting rather than have positions and find people for positions Uh, approach it from finding people, in other words, getting people on the bus, as Jim Collins talks about, and uh, and then once you get them, figure out where they fit to accomplish the goals, and then build that culture into your group. Uh, Identifying people, though, that can help bridge the gap uh, between the two groups is definitely a value to a company, and uh, HR has to take on a new role rather than just processing in, processing out, and handling benefits. Part of it should become that cultural component. Got it. That's that's very interesting, too, as this kind of relates to, to broader development within, uh, within industry and how companies evolve. Uh, so when you're telling me more about the the concept of just hiring in an individual that you think has the potential to have an impact getting them on the bus uh, and then kind of developing them you know within these particular positions think of how maybe other businesses have developed there's a lot of examples of businesses that have started within one direction and then after they've kind of uh, worked within the market and gotten feedback from really from, from clients uh, and, and just with from the market, they've adjusted the business and really become something completely different. Sure. So it, sounds, it sounds interesting to kind of think in terms of the hiring process and how uh, really it might be more as kind of like an evolution that might happen with somebody getting hired in. It's not so much, uh, you know, fitting somebody into a box. Uh, it's, it's really giving them an opportunity, seeing something in them and letting them sort of evolve within that position to really bring out the best in them and make an impact uh, in in these types of levels. Right. Well, one of the structural 
things to look at is holacracy. That has become more of a structural view. Can you tell me more on that? Uh, yes. Uh, holacracy is more of a uh, horizontal perspective on hierarchical structure and uh, or on structure. I apologize. It's less hierarchical and more uh, horizontal. And it's focused on the idea of more of autonomous teams. Uh, what I suggest is that companies consider even the team within a team concept so that you have a set of t it, it, larger company has a set of teams and each team has a then those team leaders become a team of their own managed and so it's built uh, can be built circular it can be built however but that helps keep communication flowing between the various teams uh, and keeps uh, the problem with holacracy sometimes is that things get confusing and get a little out of hand. And that helps to avoid some of that by more effective communication and interworking among the teams. Wow. That's interesting. So when you're saying that, what's really coming to mind for me uh, and, and I'll ask you maybe of some other really great examples of where this is implemented, but I'm, I'm sure if we look at how Apple is structured, how Google is structured, uh, in this case, a lot of these tech startup companies are, are structured. Uh, they're structuring their business really in that way within this team environment. Is that right? Right. Yes, that has become more of the uh, uh, approach that these companies are taking. They are getting away from the traditional um, stacked hierarchy and structure and uh decentralizing, if you will, uh, the organization. And I think the, uh, I was trying to remember, I believe, yeah, Zappos is one of the kind of the companies that's held up in that regard for uh, making that their, their structural application. Um, and it's an interesting system of organization. Some people think of it as just throwing out all forms of, of uh, management or leadership, but uh, what I read of it, that's not the case. It's just not vertical structured and it's not based on authority. It's based on leadership. Interesting. So this would kind of be, it kind of takes some of the control out of the higher, higher ups. Uh, it almost really kind of, it was really kind of scary for a lot of people in business. Uh, it kind of puts more of the responsibility on getting the right people and really having the faith almost uh, that you've chosen well and that they're going to step up to, uh, you know, really to certain positions and being able to have more organic uh, leadership that is sort of implemented uh, by the people within, within the organization. It really is a very different structure. Uh, and a different mindset. Uh, you, you know, it, it's rather than I'm the boss, do what I say, and everybody listens and jumps. It's more of, okay, I'm going to uh, lead, give you a vision. I'm going to empower you to uh, accomplish that, you're part of that vision. And then from there, provide uh, guidance, provide direction. Obviously, you can never get away from having uh, 
corrective situations, but for example, rather than being uh, those kinds of things being directed at the executive suite level, that's dependent on each team leader to be able to develop and deal with those issues as they arise, uh, <clears throat> especially um, in the heat of the moment, if you will, give them the authority to really uh, make decisions and then support folks in making those decisions, knowing that none of us are perfect and we're all going to make mistakes and just try to learn from those and work forward. Gotcha. So then it also sounds like there would be a whole nother level of, of training and resources that would almost need to be available to, to help people that are sort of joining these teams. And if you're joining a team and ultimately you were wanting to kind of move forward to where you had more of a leadership role and you're kind of managing these teams, the ability to perform a task is one thing and to think creatively, but how to manage the conflict that comes up and the sort of the discipline that needs to be there uh, and how to, how to manage that properly is probably not a skill set that uh, is, is maybe as, uh, as, as natural and probably needs to be coached and mentored and modeled quite a bit also. Oh, very definitely. Uh, my comment in terms of the influence of the agrarian society, again, one of the interesting uh, components of that goes to the fact that agrarian influence forces one to be develop leadership qualities and abilities to problem solve and think through. And those were a lot of what uh, uh, the boomers had. The current generations don't have the benefit of that. And we put them in roles as leaders and don't provide them with the training and information needed to be able to know how to lead. And it's real common to say, okay, you're good at X. So you're so good at X, we're going to put you in charge of uh, five or six people doing X. And now you're a manager slash leader slash supervisor, whatever the title. And uh, good luck with that. And we put them in positions where they're really not prepared to handle. Uh, prior generations, like the boomers, had a little more background and culture to be able to step into that because of their life experiences. The current generation really don't uh, have that. So now how, would, now, how would you go about helping them to gain that experience? Say that, say that somebody is you know they're working within one of these types of teams and they want to self-develop they want to develop they want to commit their own time and resources to try to get better with that you know where would you suggest that they look and for say somebody that's structuring the company that wants to help provide this type of content uh to really help help them to develop those skills what would you recommend right. to them well there's so many resources out there um that are available. Uh, obviously, if you're trying to make a cultural change as an organization to move from strict management to management uh, of things and leading people, I really encourage you to find someone to drive through that process as an outsider for a number of reasons. Uh, but it, as an individual, one of the free resources that I suggest to people um, is, believe it or not, FEMA 
has independent study courses online and they have four courses on leadership that are outstanding and anyone can go and take them uh, online free. Uh, there are those kinds of resources, obviously many books, people like John Maxwell um, is one on uh, leadership. Uh, of course, good to great from Jim Collins. So there's a lot of reading material, but if you're, Again, if you're trying to do this as an organization, I encourage you to bring someone in that has the understanding about uh, making that cultural adjustment and how to teach and train leadership uh, in conjunction with the management. And, uh, and I have to say, one of the keys here is not just any kind of leadership. It has to be based on servant leadership. Uh, can't how important that is because uh, some people say I'm a leader and they're they're not a servant leader I to me they're still a traditional manager or boss just in a different angle uh, but yeah there are a lot of resources one book that I do suggest is interesting because we all start out as a follower whether we like to think of it in those terms or not but a friend of mine, Jimmy Collins, who was president of Chick-fil-A under Truett Cathy, has written a book called Creative Followership. And uh, he was being a leader, but not being the leader. So. Interesting. Interesting. And that would that go into more detail on the concept of servant leadership? Uh, it's going to talk about servant leadership. It's going to talk about uh, uh, being an effective follower, which the reality is leadership starts with us individually. I start applying leadership uh, principles and techniques to myself and then from there build on it. And then at some point, generally speaking, if I've done that well, I'm going to be put into an official role as a leader given a title and then you just take the same principles and multiply it in the people that you work with. Got it. Got it. Well, that's, that's really interesting. And um, I had the thought just to ask in case somebody has really maybe never heard of servant leadership. Can you kind of give a brief description of servant leadership and kind of differentiate it from, you know, management uh, or, you know, in another form of leadership? Servant leadership is, yes, I'm the one tasked with the responsibility for a group, but I'm neither better uh, nor am I the end-all, send-all in terms of answers, and uh, it embodies a, an attitude of humility, and there's nothing that I will ask a team member to do that I have not and will not do myself if needed, and it, it's a lot about attitude. Um, and the value of that servant leadership and the, uh, what is needed in the culture for the younger generations uh, in this case is uh, knowing that uh, you're, what you're leading them into is not just about selfish action or selfish desires, but it's about something bigger than any of us. Uh, individually, it takes us collectively to make it work. And so um, servant leadership is about being humble and not thinking too highly of ourselves in our role. 
to kind of boil it down. Got it. I, I love it. I love it. That's a whole nother sort of topic to probably even just to speak <laughs> on. And, uh, you know, many, many examples to kind of draw from with that and many principles. So uh, that may be another conversation to uh, to have here on the podcast. Um, wanted to circle back to two, two things. Uh, one was technology. And then I have just one one general uh, question. But so with the technology, uh, this has been a really big focus for me when it comes to the social media aspect and the branding and the marketing. And there's this whole shift that's happening clearly within uh, within the current uh, environment of business. Large companies are really changing to adjust to the expectations of what people are, how they're wanting to consume in the next 10 to 15 years and what's happening now. And so this whole concept that you're kind of speaking about, about the, the generational differences and these expectations it seems to play a role in, in two ways with technology. Um, it seems to me that it would be with technology, really the need to update the technology within business uh, to conform really with what consumers are wanting to consume with uh, and also the employees uh, for how they're wanting to do their work. The less technological that you are and, and the, less, uh, the less updates that you're, you're really making um, the more you're going to fall behind. Uh, but in addition to that, then when we think of, say, what you mentioned with Apple is the way that social media is also being leveraged and the, the branding of the company is being leveraged to kind of merge the experience of work and family and association. So it seems like there's two other areas that are there that maybe... You know, speaking about do you have some thoughts on on those two two areas regarding of technology of course yes uh, a younger generation in the workforce is going to be expecting in order to look at a company as a progressive company obviously they're going to be thinking in terms of current technology and if you don't have it, and this may not be fair, but it's reality. If you don't have it, then you're probably viewed as a uh, dinosaur and may not be something that they're going to desire to be a part of. So from. All right. Well, Kevin, I'm not sure what just happened uh, there, but we got cut off, but we're going to pick up right where we started, uh, where we left things off. So you're, you are saying that regarding the technology, that if the technology is, is pretty much uh, not there, that unfortunately, really what it's going to look like is that the company is, is a dinosaur. Uh, so you want to continue from there? Uh, sure. Yes. Uh, yeah, obviously, part of the challenge we face as companies is recruiting new people in and the people that we already have helping them feel a part of the culture. And if you've got only old technology or you don't care about technology, what you're communicating to them, whether it's fair or not, is they're not important. Uh, a big part of their culture doesn't matter and that uh, we may be dinosaurs. So there's not going to be much appeal in that to a younger generation. They're looking for the newest uh, technologies. They're looking for the better ways to do things and for them because of the culture that they have been raised in a lot of the answers they're going to start at looking for in technology that again may not always be fair 
There may be better uh, answers to the questions, but certainly that has to be a consideration as part of it. Yeah, absolutely. I like that. I like that breakdown. And, you know, just, just within those concepts alone, that's, you know, there's many, many things to be able to, to dig into and to read on or speak about and, and uh, really, really great, uh, really great thoughts, uh, Kevin. Uh, now, in terms of the, in terms of the concept of making some adjustments to the branding of the company, you know, one of the, one of the big things is that really companies are needing more to be more conscious, really, even at a, for a smaller company of how they're branding themselves, how they're leveraging social media to put content out and really associate a story with the company that I think, uh, you know, somebody that has options uh, and that is savvy and, and want family sort of feeling within their, their team that they're going to place a high value on. And the whole concept of being able to sort of brand and market via social media, it's also a really challenging concept for, um, you know, for, for a lot of, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of business owners at, at different levels. Uh, so, you know, any, any thoughts on, on that in particular? Oh yeah. The um, uh, approach to recruiting Younger people and generation has to be different uh, for us as boomers. Traditional thinking is posting a um, uh, an ad in the newspaper. That is kind of the old uh, school. Then we did transition some into some of the job board approaches. But these days, you know, the comp- a smart company needs to think about uh, approaching those recruiting efforts through social media, LinkedIn especially, but others as well. And uh, just, uh, and when they're approaching it, to approach it in terms of, yes, everybody wants to get paid. Yes, everyone wants to have insurance, but that's not going to be attractive uh, to a younger generation. They're going to be attracted by strong culture, uh, what are we doing as a uh, uh, corporate uh, or a, uh, how do I say uh, company uh, community environment? How what are we doing in our community? Um, and uh, and so they they're looking for those experiences again. Back to the Apple thing. Sell them the experience of the company and the value of what they will be doing for the better of things then uh, you can talk about other things, but you're not going to attract them initially just on dollars and data. Got it. Yeah, absolutely. That, that, um, that, that sounds spot on. So I I guess this would be uh, one, one last question. This was just more clarification and, you know, maybe it's, uh, I don't know that we really want to go into as, as much detail. I think we've really covered quite a lot. And I, I definitely appreciate your, your time uh, with this, Kevin. The um, so the X, the X, the Generation X, Generation Y, and the Generation Z. Um, those are also well, going to be kind of different, no? Right. Well, and what you do is there's a progression, but from Boomers to X, Y, Millennial, and now Z. That's your order of identified monikers for the generations. And yes, there is a progression that occurs. And the, the people say, oh, well, don't label people. That You can't do a hard label on people because there's exceptions in all generations. 
and, but in terms of general generalizations that fit a group culturally, those are the groups that happen. And recognizing that, don't use it for the purpose of labeling, but use it for the purpose of just understanding people a little better. But as, give the assumption that anyone provided the right uh, leadership and culture can be developed. Right, right. I think that, uh, that, that makes a lot of sense. Well, great, Kevin. Well, so from here, there's, I guess, uh, you know, one, I'm sure that there are people that will have been listening here. You mentioned several resources that people could use. Now, I know that you mentioned that you, you have a book that you are uh, writing on education. And, right. and I believe that you can also uh, be of help to companies uh, in trying to address some of these generational uh, issues, which are clearly, you know, very deep in some of the, the applications to, to where businesses and entrepreneurs need help. So, uh, yes, I, I'm more than happy to present just on an awareness level, if that's what they're looking for. Uh, and if they are looking for uh, help with cultural shift, then I can come in and work with them as a partner to look at how what they can do best to make those shifts and do so most effectively, including cost effectively, and uh, and provide that one-on-one help uh, for the company if they prefer. So yes, I'm happy to. That's great. And can you tell us a little bit more about what you're working on sort of with uh, this upcoming book of yours? Uh, Sure. Uh, Part of the factor that feeds into these generational differences is the influence of education in our society. Originally, education was an ancillary part of the home, primarily to provide a basic level of literacy literacy for us to function uh, in the world we lived in. And now it has become, as I saw recently quoted of John Dewey, that education is not preparation for life, but education is life. Uh, And that is the mindset that unfortunately has been instilled in a lot of our society. And it's a dangerous mindset because uh, at the end of the day, education is supposed to be just for the purpose of preparing us to function and be literate and be able to learn and uh, with the current environment set us up for lifelong learning, but not dependent on uh, brick and mortar institutions for it. Uh, I tell people about the thought that one point we claim to be a knowledge-based society. Well, I tell people, people now, if that's your goal, you can be replaced by Google uh, because at anyone's uh, fingertips is a wealth of knowledge on anything in a matter of moments. So if all you've got is knowledge-based society, just step aside and let hand people something that they can Google it on. So we've got to rethink education in terms of making it about competency and more about what it will do to help uh, me as a person to be um, a learner and to do what I need to do uh, to be productive uh, in whatever form that takes. And so it's our system 
is not friendly towards producing uh, talent for the workforce. It is more about uh, an experience in itself with, unfortunately, limited amount of oversight from the uh, practical world of business and industry that uh, are supposedly going to be employing these people. Wow, that that really sounds very interesting. Uh, Do you have a a time frame on when you think that you'll have the book sort of completed and and ready? I have have promised to have it out in time for people to have it for Christmas gifts. Um, I uh, am working to get it sooner. Uh, I've actually done taken some pre-orders, so I've even got additional pressure to make things happen sooner. Uh, the challenge I face is that uh, writing a book until it's sold and unless it sells is a uh, non-production, non-producing uh, in terms of revenue. So it takes uh, doesn't take front priority in terms of being able to live and and. Uh, functions so uh but certainly no later than in time for christmas all right well great well uh maybe we can also if there's if you're still taking pre-orders on it maybe if we can get the information for where to pre-order we can add that into the uh the episode uh, sure and i would love to maybe have you you know back on here closer to christmas time when everything is uh you know is is up and running with the book and maybe okay. we can have you specifically talk more about the concepts and go into more depth on the book and I would really love to talk to you more about the servant leadership and okay. the best example. I'm sure that you will agree that we have in the entire world that ever was, never will be is Jesus Christ. Amen. And yes. I would really love to talk a little bit more, you know, with you about the examples from Jesus Christ, his life and his ministry uh, in terms of servant leadership. And maybe sure. that's something right around Christmas. Uh, that might be a, a really awesome combo conversation to have that would add a lot of value. Sure. Glad to, because whether you ascribe to Christian tenets of faith, uh, if you want to look at a historical figure that exemplifies servant leadership, then, of course, uh, Jesus Christ is that uh, exemplification. And uh, uh, again, smart person, regardless of uh, faith or not, uh, would do well to study and learn from his uh, behaviors because he he really modeled uh, that and even showed how to change the world by being a leader. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, all right. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for getting on. Uh, again, sorry we had the technology uh, sort of issue. Again, we're recording this through Anchor. I'll leave this with maybe one other sort of plug for, for branding and for content uh, creation is – uh, you know, I think a lot of people probably have a, a hang up uh, you know, regarding really being perfect with what they're putting out. Uh, and in this case, uh, really, this was not the perfect sort of setup for getting this content out. We had this interruption, but I think we really recorded something that's, uh, you know, that's substantial that people will find a lot of value from. And although it wasn't a, a perfect, uh, perfect recording, uh, we still be able to get some great content out and I think it's going to add a lot of value. So still encourage everybody that might be listening and thinking of how to really create more contact content, brand themselves more. It doesn't have to be perfect. Just work on getting quality content out and people will draw value from it. And it's worth, it's worth doing, even if there are hiccups, like getting cut off in the middle of an anchor podcast and coming back again. <laughs> yes, I agree. <laughs> All right. 
Okay, Kevin. Well, thank you so much. Have have a great day, and we'll look forward to speaking with you here again closer to uh, closer Christmas. And and uh, you know, best of luck getting everything sorted with the book. And I'm sure it's going to be an awesome uh, an awesome uh, contribution to uh, to everybody. Errol, thanks so much for the opportunity, and uh, look forward to future opportunities. Absolutely. All right, Kevin. Have a great day. You as well.